welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Big Kids Book Club. I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me in the clubhouse this week, we have Vashti Hardy, author of The Bright Storm Duology and Wild Spark, to name but a few. Vashti, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me along today. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, So we've had a good, like, quick chat before the show, but... um, why don't, for all our listeners who are listening in for the first time or maybe haven't quite heard of you, do you want to give us like a, an idea of your writing journey, like how you started out and how you got to where you are at the moment? Mm, I suppose, like, story of Vashti's life. Yeah. <laughs> it all started when, well, I, actually, when I was at school, when I was about seven, it, that's when it did start for me because a teacher brought in a book called Rebecca's World which is sadly out of print now, but it was written by, you might have heard of Terry Nation, who I think wrote a lot for adult and TV. He was actually the creator of the Daleks, apparently. But he wrote one children's book called Rebecca's World. And the teacher read this to us. It's about a girl who magically transports through space through a telescope. So she looks through her Mm. dad's telescope and it, it sees a planet millions of miles away and it magically transports her to this planet where she has this great adventure and I was hooked as soon as the teacher started reading this it just blew my mind because I suddenly realized that through books you could go anywhere anything was possible you could you know and it didn't matter if you were you know rich poor who you were through books it's a great equalizer I could travel and we didn't have much money when I was growing up for going on fancy holidays or anything you know my holiday was my nan's back garden (laughs) so for me a book where you could you know through your imagination go to these places was uh, a real pivotal point in my life and at that moment I thought oh one day I'd like to do that. I'd like to create worlds for, for, to transport readers to. So that's when it started. Obviously, quite a journey to get to actually yeah. having a published book yes. on, the, on the shelves. Um, as most writers will tell you, it's not sort of, it doesn't happen overnight. Like anything in life, it takes you know, a long time to learn your craft, your skills, learn who you are as a writer as well, and to find your, your own... Um, you know, niche and what makes you happy in in your writing. So it was always there for me, and I just you know gradually sort of learnt my skills, and then uh, I think I got my first publishing deal uh, early forty. So it was not overnight for sure, but I was doing other things as well. I was a teacher for a while, uh, did other several other jobs, but always the writing was there as my first true love that I wanted to be but probably I think a lot of probably young writers young readers can relate to this sometimes you think that authors are almost magical creatures that (laughs) are out of out of reach that you know young Vashti would have thought I can't possibly do that you know that that's for these really amazing people that get their stories right first time Uh, and then 
actually, as soon as you realise that's not how it works, Ooh. that it's okay to find it hard, it's okay to, to you know, spend a long time learning, then that's, that's really important to, you know, for young readers and writers to know that it isn't something that other people do. If you want to do it, it's something that you can do if you work hard enough and find a way. Yeah, and I think that is that's sort of the, the core important message. And I've spoken to a few authors and they all have the same sort of similar journey. You know, it's not an overnight success. There's no such thing as that in writing. It does take dedication. You have to have that, that passion, that love behind it. Mm. you really want but you've, you've touched upon a point that i picked up there about being a teacher now i believe you were a primary school teacher wasn't it for a bit i was yes yes yeah, for a few years um and you know it was a lovely experience and for me i think the reason i went into primary school teaching was because of my love of story and especially my love of fantasy worlds and middle grade sort of books things like Narnia when I was younger the, the books that really transport you and the books that you hold a little piece inside of you as you as you get older that sort of made me attracted to doing primary school teaching because I thought oh I can still be part of that world if I'm not a writer at least I can enjoy bringing stories into children's lives I can be that teacher that maybe reads Rebecca's world and maybe yeah. changes a child's life and, and gives them that that kind of that that little spark and for their own reading or writing journey so I would everything that I did as a primary school teacher I would always try and turn it around to story <laughs> in some <laughs> way it was be like right class let's I'd, I'd sneak in creative writing journals and we'd have free writing Aww. every Friday and things and yeah tr I'd try and base all my topics <laughs> how can we twist this into a story based <laughs> thing so yeah so teaching was a, a lovely a lovely sort of way to do that and you can't be as a teacher when it's story time these are the moments that I remember from school you don't often I know some people might but you don't often remember learning long division or <laughs> as a really special moment I'm sure I'm sure some people do but, oh, yeah. but story time that lovely magical moment of the day when you can lose yourself to your imagination is magic and there's nothing like as a teacher if you're reading a story to the children and they are hooked on every word word and you see that little spark in their eye of wonder it's it's magical to think that you can do that and connect like that so yeah you know I have so much respect for the teachers out there especially the reader teachers that are on social media mm. are a wonderful force of for good in you know in the country for children for you know for bringing the right stories or you know genres to children to open them up to poetry illustrators um you know books with facts the whole the whole lot there's a a really gr great movement of teachers that are doing that at the moment so yeah just a, a big salute to them all out there if they're listening oh absolutely i think yeah i think teachers definitely you're right there is a there is a a movement that is inspiring that next one and as you said the ones that create the spark of inspiration for yourself so who knows there might be you know down the road there might be someone who's who's going to say oh i remember vashti when i was in her primary school class and yeah. you know might be reading their stories in in Do you know it happened to me in oh. co-op <laughs> in co-op co i was i was doing a bit of shopping <laughs> and an ex-pupil who is a you know in her late teens yeah uh, 
you know, okay, Mrs. Hardy, because <laughs> you're forever Mrs. Hardy, yep. your life, aren't you? Or your, <laughs> or your name. And she, she came over to me and I was like, oh, how are you know, how's it going? Are you still reading? Because when she started in my class, she was, she, her first oh. thing she said to me was, I don't read. <laughs> so to <laughs> me, that was like, oh, a challenge oh. in year six here. I rolled my sleeves up and thought to myself, okay, let's see if I can make her a reader by the end of the year. And, you know, again, it was just a matter of finding the right thing for, for her. And it was actually, I think it was, excuse me if I get the name wrong, but it was a Marcus Sedgwick flood and bang, something like that. It's, you can have a look, but that captured her and then there was no stopping her. So then, then in co-op, I say to her, are you still reading? And she said, she said to me, yes, I'm really into these detective um, novels and things now. But she did say to me she'd had a bit of a lull in secondary school. She said, I went off it in secondary school because um, she said the books that we were doing just didn't interest me at all. But then she, she had gone back to it after school. So even though a lot of children do tend to you know, dip in and out of it, it's, I think, primary school teachers... Um, if you if you do create that spark early it is going to last them for life hopefully yeah absolutely and uh speaking of spark is going to use i'm going to use the spark as a nice transition um and the spark of adventure because you mentioned a couple of times going to other worlds now uh, brightstorm we'll start with brightstorm very much a other world transportation novel it has every sense that you want you have adventure you have journey you have daring odds you have uh, evil villains you've got all of it in there now when you were sort of creating that world obviously it is all a huge world the whole premise is the idea is they are traveling the world was travel therefore and this this escapism to other worlds was that forefront when you came to sort of designing Brightstorm, or did it take like many many sort of you talk about the the long journey you took to write was it did it start as something completely different it all um you know my love of adventure and other worlds I love tales of real life adventure as well. So explorers in real life fascinate me. Just their characters, their, you know, their personalities, what drives them to do what they do. So I knew I wanted to write something that had an explorer's theme somehow. And I just knew it was a matter of time of finding the right story. And then one day I read the advert that Shackleton apparently put in to find his crew for his expedition, his transantarctic expedition in 1912, I think it was. And it was the advert, I'll get this wrong, but it said something like men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, small chance of success. You know, basically it was saying you could, you're going to die probably, but, <laughs> and then at the end it's like shared reward and recognition if successful apply to Ernest Shackleton. I just thought what a brilliant call to adventure. What if two children were to answer an advert like that? They'd have to have a really good reason to. And after a Maudie Brightstorm popped into my imagination and it went from there. And I knew that, you know, I always wanted to set it in another world because you can invent all these amazing places for them to explore. So it was taking essence of the real world and then you know, essence of planet Earth, but doing my own little thing with it or big thing with it. 
Yeah, and they, they travel across fast deserts and to almost like, you know, the South Polaris, you know, so you've got ice, wind, snow, all of those sort of like hazards put up against them. And then, mm. of course, we sort of come back uh, and the journey is sort of very much rooted in this like this smoggy, steampunky city. So you get a little bit of, of everything in there. But mentioning how you wanted them to be included in the world in the sequel, Dark Whispers, the world actually gets a little bit bigger. So I was wondering whether or not uh, in Brightstorm, you yourself were actually just still understanding and sort of creating the world because it gets mm. so much bigger in Dark Whispers. Yeah, do you know, the, usually what I do, the first thing I do is I draw a map. And this is something I often do when I do workshops in schools with children. That by far the most popular workshop I do is the fantasy map making. Kids absolutely love it and run with it. And it's nice because I can bring all my tips um, of the way that I do it and the way that I world build and give them a few key things to to run with and yeah they produce the most amazing maps so I start often with a map because if I get the world right in my imagination then it's going to feel real for the reader hopefully and that's what you want to do you want to transport them to wherever you're creating so that they really really believe that it's a real place in the same way that say if you read Narnia there's something in all of us isn't there that feels like maybe one day if I push that back of the wardrobe maybe this time I'm going to get to Narnia so we all really believe that a little part of us is is sort of willing to give everything to to these worlds so that's my job as a writer is make it real and then it has to be real in my imagination so I do it through maps pictures i love pinterest um i have a pinterest board for every project actually my bright storm and dark whispers is open for everyone to oh. have a little look if you if you fancy That's seeing cool. how my brain <laughs> works image wise because um, it's great because it helps you just bring it all together mm. sounds and music uh, there are other things that i use music especially can transport you so i'll have a spotify playlist for each project that oh, gets nice. me into that mood or the zone or you want to write a sad scene there's always something oh, yeah. from a soundtrack that you can put on that will take you to that place that helps you to recreate that so it's a, sort of a, a mixture of lots of other things which is important for children to know that writing's not just about writing it's about creativity imagination and the time you spend sitting there writing is you know probably you know 50 percent of the time that you're actually writing the rest yeah. of your writing is other other things that you might be doing like you know map making or collecting pictures or scribbling ideas in a sketchbook or something yeah i see i like all of those points you really sort of brought everything together so it's not just a it's not just sitting there typing away at the computer it's actually a whole creative uh, process you know <laughs> mm. and um with that actually i wonder how many other influences have come into it because i was going to ask you about the twins the right song twins are they actually like influenced from maybe your your life your kids yourself have have they sort of crept in because there's a strong sense of like uh, a found family and a bond in that that felt very natural amongst them so I wondered if there is any like real life inspiration for them mm, I've got two sisters and a brother um I'm not one of twins or anything but I'm very fascinated by sibling relationships and the idea the whole idea which Brightstorm really centers around this idea of what makes family you know none of us can help the family we're born into we, we have no say in that whatsoever so what makes a good family is 
family more than blood. So Arthur and Maudie, they they lose, very sadly, lose their, what they knew as family. But on this adventure, they find a whole new family in the crew of the Aurora. They've always got each other, of course. So exploring that relationship is important. The way that siblings are really, at the end of the day, really there for each other, but can have their ups and downs as well and be different. But, you know, they've got, got each other's backs for sure. And I think often twins, you know, sometimes they're portrayed, um, you know, this whole thing of like the evil twins, isn't there, that, 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 is, that you is. might often kind of find in books. So I wanted to show twins as a really, you know, how a positive twin relationship can be as well. Um, as best as I can understand it, not yeah. being a twin, but just drawing from, you know, being, having siblings and things. And I think a little bit of myself probably went into yeah. both Arthur and Maudie in some, some way, you know, that the way that Arthur's a bit sort of bookish and thoughtful and, and, you know, has this passion for exploring that he's discovering. And Maudie with her inventiveness, I love science. I've always been, really fascinated by big questions in science and invention so that kind of that's where Maudie yeah <laughs> kind of I channel that in and also I've got a real thing with creating worlds where sort of busting gender stereotypes and you know fighting that the cause of trying to bring more equality into workers in science and I think it's something I, I may be wrong here, but I think it's something like around 22% of the workforce in STEM subjects are female. So mm. you can see there's still a big disconnect big and a, yeah. long, a long way to go. So one way of trying to, um, you know, draw more girls into believing that, you know, that's a path they might want to take if that's what interests them is through stories. I think it re- plays a really important part. So by presenting worlds where, gender's never been a barrier to achievement hopefully that kind of flags for the girls and the boys out there that you know this this is how it can be yeah absolutely i have to have to like the subtle tip of the nod there to uh so you you can't choose what family you're you're born into and that's a nice subtle hint for all those uh oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um i want to stick on that that nice science theme you've you've thrown me there and actually transition into wild spark which is uh, a beautifully created and very you can definitely feel the science vibes in it uh for for those who haven't heard of wild spark it's slightly different from bright storm um but at the same time it has quite a quite a few similar traits um how would you describe like wild spark compared to bright storm because i always think of it as a sort of like a little bit more magical Mm, yes i think there's there's a slightly more magical elements that are in some ways based on everything that's in there is based on some sort of scientific fact but the wonderful thing about creating a world is you can take real things and (laughs) what if we do this with it what if this was possible so the world of wild spark is based on a a place that could could be a little bit like the, the place that we live but different where science has gone a different way and they've discovered a way to bring back ghosts and the way they bring back ghosts is by putting them inside these lifelike animal machine robots extremely lifelike so yeah. 
um, that if you imagine maybe a dog walked into the Roma Labrador and it opened its mouth and started saying hello <laughs> I'm your great great uncle Monty or something <laughs> um, that that's the world that they live in although these ghosts there is there's a real um, you know there's a quite a few moral questions around mm. what's going on and it, it it all revolves around things that we can relate to in real life it's that it's that slightly Jurassic Park thing, isn't it? Just because you can, can yeah, doesn't mean you should always. So, and that's something that, as as science, you know, modern technology, the rate it it, it ex- explodes, children, uh, you know, there as they grow up with this rate of development, these are the things that that are important to grapple. So it's me sort of putting an idea out there and sort of going, well, this is you know, this is this what they can do in this world. Here, let's have fun with it. Let's let's have a little think about the morals of what's going on and how people are treated and the problems that come up from this sort of technology, if it were possible. So um yeah, all it's all those questions, but at the end of the day it's about a girl, Prue, who's lost her brother and, you know, is is grieving and wants to find a way him so it's kind of you know a human journey but there are these all, all these other scientific questions going on as well yeah I was gonna say because there's definitely a deeper meaning to it of course I mean it kicks off the fact that you know Prue is trying to find like uh, answers to the possibility uh, within her brother and even goes so far as to impersonate him really mm. um, and there is a lot of a, a more sort of a gray moral area there and a, a deeper mystery to the whole thing. You know, uh, are personifates real? Should they have rights? So it definitely hits home on a lot of topics that I think are very relevant today and leave like a, a sort of us thinking uh, a little bit more sort of post the book. You know, we're, we're thinking a little bit more about like, what have I just read? Um, and maybe it's because of that deeper context that uh, it may have won a little award uh wild oh, spark oh. itself uh Just a little one. do you know what childhood dream come true you know for me growing up you know blue peter was on the telly after school yeah and i always like many other people wanted to be a blue peter presenter and so to win the best story of in you know blue peter awards this year was unbelievable i just i still can't believe it happened yeah. To be oh yeah i, I should i should say to everyone I, I didn't actually i just said a little award the actual award was it was the blue peter best story award for 2020 is what wild spark won sorry i should have said that before not just a little right. award right. But, I think I added it in there. yeah um, <laughs> yeah it was you know a huge huge honor and in its 20th year as well which made it extra special yeah. and you know i look back at all the other authors that have won it over the years and i'm just yeah i I do. I think I'm going to wake up and it, and so it will be that it was all a dream, Vashti. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but I have the badge to prove it. So you've got the Blue Peter badge. Yeah, oh. I know. I'm so it's it's like my most precious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. So yeah, massive congratulations for that. I think you know Wild Spark for me definitely deserves it, and then hopefully, possibly a Wild Spark two might also mm-hmm. uh, win it in the future, but. Currently, I believe there's a new project that is almost about to be released. Uh, We're currently recording this late September, um, but we're on the precipice of a new book, if I'm right in speaking. 
Yeah, there's, do you know what? There are a few on the horizon, which is, is a lovely place to be. So the next one, which is out October the 1st, so a week from when we're recording this, but yes. if you're in October already, it's already there in your yes. <laughs> But that, that one's called The Griffin Gate, and mm-hmm. that's published, um, my usual publisher is Scholastic. The Griffin Gate is published by um, a publisher called Barrington Stoke, who a lot of you may have heard of, who specialise in producing books for reluctant readers or readers with dyslexia or visual stress so uh, a little bit shorter uh, than you know my usual books so uh, more around the 10,000 words rather than 70,000 yeah and um, printed on paper that's like with a tint to it so people oh, uh, with visual stress or dyslexia it's a lot easier and the editing all keeps this in mind as well but the, for me the challenge was it might be shorter, but I still need to build a brilliant world oh, yeah. and have a great adventure because all readers deserve that, whether, you know, they can access, you know, if, if you can't access a longer book, it doesn't mean you can't, you know, grow your imagination and, and, and you know, it doesn't mean you don't enjoy, no. or you can't enjoy reading. So The Griffin Gate is based on a world where a family, the Griffin family, great-grandma Griffin invented a map but because it's me, it's no ordinary map. It's a map that's got great technology built into it and you can teleport through gates on the map to different parts in the country. So people call for help via, you know the old red telephone boxes that you see? I do remember the old red telephone, yeah. yeah in, these, in, this, in this world, I thought, oh, they're really good and they don't have any use anymore in our world. So I thought, I'll port them into this new world and use them as somewhere where they call for a warden to come and help them. And then back at HQ, where the Griffin Gate map is, a gate will flash on the map and the warden teleports in, into the map and goes and helps um, wow. whoever needs, is in need. Uh, so that's kind of the essence of that story. And the main character is Grace Griffin, who is too young to be a warden. But mm. she doesn't think she is. She thinks oh. she can do this. So you can imagine <laughs> what could happen. She kind of, yes, takes opportunity of a quiet time when a call comes in. and. Um, yeah, so it's her adventure. So that's that's one book. Uh, yeah. Then next year, I've got a couple with Scholastic as well. Yeah. I've got another um, in the 8 to 12 sort of age range, middle grade, which I can't say the title yet because, and, and tell you too much because they haven't announced it officially. Maybe by, by the time this is broadcast, maybe. maybe it'll be out there. But it's I can tell you, it's a whole new world. Um, oh, I got a bit of lad in then. It's a whole new world. <laughs> um, so it's a whole new world. And in this world, there are some big philosophical things to chew mm. over as well. So it's got the same thing as in the Wild Wild vibe, but very different. It's mm. a very much a human's relationship with nature with oh. a lot of twisty things that go on ah, very <laughs> so, relevant yeah, now for that one and i've got another book with scholastic for slightly younger um mm. seven to nines called harley hitch and the iron forest which i'm so excited about so this is going to be illustrated all the way through oh, cool. by wonderful george ermos who designed the covers, the covers. Yeah, yeah for, for my other books and uh, along with Jamie Gregory who's the designer at Scholastic I must give him a shout out because he's he just brings extra magic to to it all as well um yeah between them they, they're just fantastic so talented so they're doing the illustrations um yeah George is illustrating Jamie's designing 
and Harley Hitch is a, an inventive world, a sparky young, young girl who uh, is eager to please and sometimes things don't always go to plan for her, but she is a trier. She's a real, roll your sleeves up and give it a go. And it's a different world, so you get fun things in it like there's a rusty river where you can fish for inspiration, but it's no ordinary river. It's, it's um, the fish that you fish for are metal robot type fish. And they will give you, if you catch one, it'll tell you some sort of proverb or something, which is advice. So you, you can be inspired. So if Harley's looking to find a solution for something, she'll go to the rusty river and get some advice. But Harley being Harley, she'll misinterpret it and, <laughs> and go off on a different tangent. And there's a star chatter observatory where you can chat to the stars. The stars have their own personalities, you know, get the divas (laughs) and things. So that's quite fun. And she goes to a school, an inventive school called Cogworks, where um, she kind of, um, she's got a good nemesis as well for Nelda Spigot, who uh, you're going to love to hate her. I love the names. Firstly, alliterated names is always great. And, then, you know, when you put in the sort of like the, the names, like obviously you go to a school like Cogsworth and your last name's called Spigot. I mean, that sounds, I like that. I'm already, yeah. I mean, I'm really, I'm a big fan of, of George's illustrations as well. So I think combining the two of them is going to be like your writing and, and George's illustrations. That's going to be definitely yeah, one to keep an eye for such a talent and yeah I've you know I've been so lucky with my covers they're just yeah so beautiful and you know I never have any I I never know what to expect when I get sent Mm. the file that's like that's the title is cover like my heart skips skips a beat and I open it and like what's it gonna be like and then every single time I'm just blown away by what they've created so I feel really lucky Mm. um to yeah to have him working on my stories and illustrating actually also um if you are a brightstorm or dark whispers fan brightstorm's out in the us now in us brightstorm it has illustrations in it by george so every every, not not like loads but like one, one per chapter and they're beautiful and he's just done the same for dark whispers us and yeah to see him so all the if you if you've not read Dark Whispers, it's we go the, the crew goes jungle bound <laughs> into yeah. the rainforest where there are there are you know new interesting technologies and ways of living to be discovered. So you get things like uh, waterfall houses where people you know might live in sort of pods attached to the waterfall, and he's brought all these things to life. <gasps> And it's amazing to see that. Very so cool. But yeah, if you're a super, super bright storm or dark whispers fan, you can, you, you know, there are bookshops in the US that will send, easily send things over so you can seek them out. And they're lovely hardbacks as well um, oh. over there. So it's, yeah, you're very lucky. Oh, well, there's, there's October's paycheck gone, <laughs> I think. I know. <laughs> oh, dear. No, Al. Oh really looking forward to that and all of those actually to be fair uh i know griffin gate is definitely one that i'm sort of like eyeing for and of course is it harley hicks do you say yeah harley hitch um so she's oh, harley hitch sorry for harley yeah harley hitch and the iron forest is the best. <sighs> so the much good and the secret project the secret project we shall soon find out yes very soon very soon i'm beavering away on it at the moment on the edit but i hope it's going to bring be something really special 
There you go. Unfortunately, I'm looking at the time and I think that's all we're going to have time for today in the clubhouse. Uh, But before we go, and we do this with all our our lovely authors, uh, we're giving one of you listeners a chance to win a copy of that uh, Blue Peter Best Story Award Prize winner, Wild Spark, that we've been chatting about there. One lucky listener is going to win a signed copy of that. Now, if you want to get hold of it, all you've got to do is go on to Twitter uh, and find us at Big Kids Book Club. That's all one long word. Follow us and like the competition with the following hashtag, which is WildSparkComp. Again, all one long word, WildSparkComp. And we want to know, so all the Persona Fates are based around animals. So if you could, um, I guess it's a bit dark to say if you could be a Persona Fate, but if you could have a companion who is a Persona Fate, that's slightly less dark. If you could have any sort of like friend who is a Persona Fate, uh, what animal would they be? So it's almost like basically saying, what's your favorite animal is really what I'm saying. But yeah, so if you just tag us, hashtag WildSparkComp and let us know what your favorite animal is um, and you could be in a chance uh, of winning a signed copy of WildSpark. Uh, that sound all good, uh, Vashti? That sounds amazing. And don't forget, actually, with your animals, because you can make any animal, it's a robot animal, you can mix animals. So you might notice from the cover, there is a flying lion you know, go, go, go big if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> We've <got> the dinosaurs. <laughs> if you want to be a T-Rex, you go for it. <laughs> there you go. So um, we'll put all the T's and C's. They will be in the podcast um, descriptions and the, the blogs and stuff like that. So uh, don't worry about that. So once this comes out, you'll be able to follow that and follow the rules and get on that. So that is, like I said, that's going to be it for today's session, Vashley. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I hope I haven't waffled on too much. <laughs> no, it's been I like a chat. It's been so much fun, like we said. Lots of exciting stuff to get uh, into. You've got a load of books that if people haven't heard you, they can get involved with. So all good fun. So until next time, guys, we want to just say stay safe out there and keep on reading. <laughs>